This episode of Real Life is sponsored by Cinematech and the Winnipeg Film Group. Playing uh, on November 9th and 10th at 9 p.m. is A Ghost Story. Sorry, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Uh, one of the more uh, interesting sort of divisive films this year, directed by David Lowry. I don't know if you've heard or seen of this one, but this is the movie where Casey Affleck wears a sheet over his head like a ghost yeah. the whole movie. I have heard of it. Um, you saw it, right? Yeah. And what did you think of it? Uh, I found it interesting, but a little... Uh, I think I went in expecting the best movie of the year because that's what a oh my friend God. said. I saw the trailer and it looked... Magnificent. No, it looked beautiful, yeah. but it wasn't the best movie of the year. And so I think maybe by that, that uh, impression, I was slightly disappointed. But it was so interesting and so beautifully shot, actually shot in that sort of square. Um, oh, like four by three. Yeah, aspect type. ratio. Oh, for real? Yes. Oh, um, very interesting. And, you know, I, I will see any movie that stars Rooney Mara. But um, if you want a guaranteed must-see from me, like I, I liked A Ghost Story, but I didn't love it. Uh, uh, Cinematech is playing the 40th anniversary 4K restoration of Dario Argento's Suspiria, one of the greatest horror films of all time, and maybe the best, probably the best giallo, the most famous giallo film ever made. Oh, wow. I've never seen it. It's so cool, dude. And it's playing from November 11th to the 26th. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different showings at Cinematech. Oh, sweet. My gosh. You have we a, should go. We should, dude. This movie's awesome. Because I haven't. It's great. It's great. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's a fun creepy beautiful movie but yeah that's that's how it is <laughs> now we're, we're just adjusting the microphones to make sure okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah just weird <laughs> but yeah Cinematech 100 Arthur Street check it out guys it's it's where you want to go for movies if you're in Winnipeg episode three you guys yeah woo. We hey that it. ad went pretty good this time it did there was no cats I'm pretty proud of it yeah my brother didn't storm into the room yeah and it was uh, really clean clean really put together yes yes i think cinematech will be happy i know they were pissed about the last one and <laughs> rightly so rightly so we were the last uh, one was more about rocco than anything else i know and then i, I said uh, listening to back i kind of realized that it sounded like i was calling you frisky yes <laughs> Very embarrassing. That's okay, though. I mean, listen, as long as we clarify that you weren't saying I was being frisky. I mean, sometimes you are, though, to be honest. Listen, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm as guilty as anyone of friskiness. Uh, <laughs> okay, so before we, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun, that was a fun, th okay. Sorry, what were you going to say? Before, look, I've, I've been watching, you know, or listening, I should say, these past two episodes, and I notice I've been saying like a lot. And I've been saying a lot of ums. Me too, probably. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to try and go this episode without, uh, especially like, I mean, ums are okay, but man, I was I was abusing that, that word, like. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't want people, you know, if we get an audience, I don't want them to, you know, come up with these drinking games of me like let's let's uh let's take a shot every time luke says like if if that was a thing though people would get pretty fucked up I'd i was say. gonna say they might get like alcohol poisoning from if, if yeah. us together because the amount we probably said like a hundred times yeah well it, you know what i'm not a, 
like I'm not ex- oh god I can say it sometimes I <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a podcaster you know like that's not true you host well a I mean I am but it, this is new <laughs> to me and it's just I have to try to get used to you know having conversations through that that are being recorded and it's just having that in the back of my mind my mind throws me off a little bit so I, I can cut out some likes if, if you would no like. man that's a lot of work that would be a lot of work, that is, just cutting one word out. Yeah, and it just it might sound weird, you know, having – I don't know. Yeah. I hear you, though. We, we can definitely aim to drop the verbal crutches. We're going to try to not say like. We're not going to try to not say um. Maybe – maybe oh, you know what? We should have brought shots. So every time I say like, I we just have <laughs> shots together. That's true. And then by the end of it, we're just like bah, bah, drunk <laughs> and breaking stuff in the studio. I Actually, I think if I was drunk, I wouldn't say like as much. I feel right. like I would be more fluent. Isn't yeah. that funny? Yeah. No, because we're probably, if we were drunk, we would be like, yes, let's talk about this. And we, we, we would be more um, direct with our thoughts, I think, yeah. and less sort of drifty. And I think it's the driftiness that it invites saying like, saying um, or just going, oh, my God. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, my God. Oh, that's my. A, that, that's a, a oh crutch that God. I use, right? It's oh pointed out to me a lot God. this week. Tony. Yeah. Should we quickly go over? Because we've been talking about comedy. Oh, yeah, we did. We did talk about that last time. Both times we mentioned it. Yeah. Um, so how did you think of this weekend? Well, yeah, we did stand up at Rumors we this did. weekend. Um, it was okay. Tony, the headliner for her uh, <laughs> Sunday. She actually said that, which I found really, yeah, really thrilling. I was off. laughing because it was like, okay, up next, the headliner for tonight, Tony Hines. And I was just like, I, I was laughing because I was just like, man. That's that's a lot to live up to, you know, saying the headliner and, you know, having to uh, perform like one. But I think you did really good. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I think uh, you did really good. And you know what? The, uh, the You know, you could tell at first you were nervous there, but it totally worked. Like you – some people, it's uncomfortable watching when they're nervous, you know. But uh, no, it was just funny the way you uh, the way you uh, delivered. People delivered liked it. people like to see me a little nervous. They liked, no, it was good. Yeah. They like that. I'm glad they liked it. But yeah, it, it's not a. Um, I haven't got a much appetite to continue doing it. Uh, what about you though? What about you? you I, I I wasn't there for the Monday night, so I'm gonna have to wait for the DVD to see yours. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was fun. Uh, obviously, it's a little nerve wracking before you get on stage. Definitely. But you know, I think we both agreed on it that. After the uh, first joke or two, and you get the get a few laughs, you kind of get in the in the groove, and yeah. you know from there it's you feel comfortable. You're, you you feel like it's smooth sailing from there. So I think overall it was fun. Mm. I'm glad I did it. Definitely, it was, Definitely. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I don't know if that was be... that was our weekend. Anyways. That was our weekend. Yes. Just to you know give you guys some. Uh, inside perspective of who we are it's true yeah we're, well i guess that <laughs> sounds like we're saying we are comedians which uh <laughs> yeah that would be a bit of a stretch i think for yes. us but um we we gave it our all um we didn't chicken out we didn't cry i think those are things that we should all be commended for um yeah. not to say that anyone did cry but unless you know. they're tears of joy okay okay but okay, so uh, what's happening? What is happening? It's an excellent question. Okay, so question. Uh, like, I guess we should talk about what's happening overall in this episode. Very much uh, so. How how you mentioned uh, 
what we do every every week. Just briefly mention the uh, the layout of the uh, of the. Oh uh, yes, yes, the table of contents. I think as we called it last week. Um, so we're going to start with some movie news as we always do. Then we're going to move on to a discussion of uh, this week's filmmaker and who is this week's filmmaker, Mr. Luke. We have David Fincher. Correct. Um, director of such films as Fight Club, Seven, uh, Gone Girl, The Social Network. Um, Very talented filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we will be finishing it off with uh, a movie review of uh, the Meyerowitz stories, new and selected by uh, the new Noah Baumbach film on, on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that will be the show. Um, that will be episode three. Oh my God, I just scrolled past a photo of Samuel Jackson from the sequel to... Um, Unbreakable, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh. They're filming it right now. Unbreakable 2. Oh. Yeah. Did M. Night Shyamalan, he didn't do un, the first Unbreakable, did he? Of course he did, with Bruce Willis. What? I'll, 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 I'll thought turn, he was just, did split. Let me turn the computer around and show you. I don't want to, the cord is incredibly tight. Let's unplug the cord. There we go. Okay. So um, there's, there's the photo of Sam Oh, Jackson. look at that. A little older, but still, he's missed a glass. I don't like Samuel Jackson. <gasps> oh, my God. He's great. I don't like his attitude, <laughs> to be honest. You think he's too, a little too... I just um, feel like uh, if I knew him in real life, I wouldn't like him. Is the bulging eyes, and he just, like... The bulging eyes. He just, like, looks at me. He looks... Anyone he looks at, he just... it's It, it almost appears like he's going to attack you at any given second. Yes. Do you get that vibe? I don't know. I see, in, I see in him in interviews... You know, he's on the uh, Tonight Show with whoever, and yeah. you, you, it's just something about him that's very intimidating. And I just feel like I wouldn't be able to handle his presence. <laughs> I bet you, you know, honestly, I bet you that is uh, the, the 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 role, the sort of the persona he has from movies. I bet you he's actually quite a nice man. Um, he's like you, you, you don't get to be that. Like he's probably the most successful actor of all time. Like if you look at his movies, he's probably made more box office than any other actor You would say ever. so? I, I, I would say so. Like, who, who's, who's, who would... Leonardo him? DiCaprio? Not a chance. His movies don't make as much money as you think. Other than Titanic. Sam Jackson is in Jurassic Park. Sam Jackson's in Marvel. Sam Jackson's in Star Wars. That's three giant things. I'm not, this is not like a, you know, I'm just saying... Um, DiCaprio is not the box office draw that I think he was. I don't know. That was just a name that I threw out there. <laughs> That's fine. Listen, it's not a test. I There's didn't no wrong. Think answers. about it as much as you do. Don't worry about. I know. Listen, listen. Talking about. I am a nerd. Uh, Fucking nerd. Although, to be honest with you, after, after attending Comic Con last weekend, I'm realizing I'm actually not a nerd. Those people are nerds, and we're just like, we're just, yeah. in, we're just movie enthusiasts. Um, but anyway, I'm just. <laughs> Do you have anything for me? Do I have anything? I have something. What do you got? You'll start with yours, yeah. Uh, so you probably know this. Um, Stranger Things news here. Yep. Uh, Natalia Dyer and Charlie Heaton. Mm-hmm. They, it, uh, it almost appears like they are BF and GF, GF now. In real life, you mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. IRL. No, they, <laughs> IRL. Um, yeah, they they were spotted in uh, in Paris holding hands. Uh, uh, which characters do they play on the show? So Natalia Dyer is the uh, is the goody to, goody the sister? sister. Yep, and uh, and um, Charlie Heaton plays kind of like the uh, the older brother of um, of the kid who goes missing. See the. I forget. Oh, I'm so the bad older with names. Brother of the kid who goes missing. Okay. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, who yeah. I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. 
not the guy uh, the sisters dating in the show, which I find is funny. I want to see uh, the, the, a photo like, of them. Yeah. He's, so let's see. I'm going to type in the story. I think story he's like right from England. That dude? Yeah. No kidding. And that guy, also, uh, Charlie Heaton, he was um, – he tried to – enter the US not too long ago and and uh, they stopped him from coming in because he had traces of cocaine on his personal items. He's British? And he also had uh, he also had it um, a small amount in possession as well. So yeah, he uh, He didn't get arrested though? Well, he's trying to figure out how to um, Damn, Charlie. He's trying to work on getting his travel ban uh, <laughs> lifted. So does that mean he can't be in season three if 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 he's banned oh from uh, the cocaine? They'll just shoot it country? all in London. Yeah, exactly. Could you mind shooting in London? <laughs> uh, n- I yeah, got we would. Coke mind. addiction <laughs> that I have to worry about. It was your fault though. I could never afford it before. I got me Stranger <laughs> Things check, and now I'm bloody I bloody whacked out on the on, on the powder. That's how we. That's how I think British people talk. Yeah. I don't mean to be offensive, but that's cool. That's cool that these guys are dating, but then he's he's on cocaine. Know. Yeah, it's it's like uh, yeah, it's reverse from the show. Maybe maybe uh, they'll get to be together on uh, on the next season. <laughs> I actually haven't uh, finished season two. Up to oh, yeah, date on season one, but uh, I'm not gonna let. I haven't started season. You're two not. E- Tony Hines is not a fan of Stranger Things. That's how about true. that, guys? That's not true. I just you like, are. You said you are not a fan. As big of a fan as everyone things. else is. I think everyone everyone is so You think it's overrated for I sure. I do think it's overrated. I think people look at shows without a without a critical eye of any kind. They're just like, I love it. It's it's fun. and then but Yeah, is but it, the is Duffer brothers have a very interesting style. Like almost they, they take the uh they they reference eighties films the way they shoot things. They right? do do that. Kind of almost like a Tarantino esque uh, thing that they do, right? In the sense that they're homaging people that they they're fans of, and it, and it's it's like they said, it's it creates this very nostalgic uh, feeling when watching the show. I'm not even like, yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm not an '80s person, but for some <laughs> reason, I feel this weird nostalgia. Isn't that weird? I I wasn't to even a, from to a time that you weren't, you weren't alive. Yeah, for. isn't that strange? Well, I'll say this, Mr. Luke. I was alive for that. And when I watch, and not, not to say, and I loved it, and I, I didn't love the show. I enjoyed the show. I watched every episode of the first se- series of uh, Stranger Things and was only disappointed by that finale. The way they concluded the story I thought was kind of underwhelming. But um, if you really want to pinpoint what I don't like about that show, it is sort of the, not, not, it's not, I, I have no problem with nostalgia. I have no problem with people loving that st- the stuff of their childhood, fine. Feel free to do do that. Like, cause it's not new. We've been doing this for decades. Loving stuff. This is this is comfort food. Is essentially that. It's we are now into the television and movie equivalent of comfort food, and that's fine. We all want to watch a Spider-Man movie every week. We want to watch a Star Wars movie every week. Fine, go do that. What I'm saying to you is, though, when I turned on Stranger Things and I saw a poster for Evil Dead and John Carpenter's The Thing on the wall of a kid. What, what, that takes place in like 84 or something? Where are they getting those posters? Where are they getting those perfect, a perfect Evil Dead 2 poster and a perfect Thing poster in 1984? Those movies were bombs. They were not popular movies in 1984. They're only popular now with fucking hip, sorry, I swear. I mean, actually, we're allowed to swear, so I'm not, I take back my <laughs> apology. Fucking hipsters love those movies, and I love The Thing. So I mean, they, they, it wasn't a big uh, film back then? 
those movies were considered failures. And actually, The Evil Dead in 1984 was a regional hit. It was probably only seen in, in, in Michigan and a few states. It was not the cult movie that it is today, and, and certainly not uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, which bombed wow. and everyone, even the critics hated it. That's an impressive eye. So I'm just saying, those kids wouldn't have those posters. That is the Duffer Brothers. They, they like that stuff, and they want those posters on the back, on the walls of the, sh of yeah. the scenes, but they wouldn't be there in real life. Well... No, very interesting observation. I think most people wouldn't uh, have that observation, but it's uh, most people have be which, which is why they probably uh, <laughs> added that in because they're like, oh, th these are films from back then. They're now oh, no, I get called it. I get classics it. in a way, right? I get it, but uh, I just yeah, I feel you on that one. If, make if the poster the crumpled, and we're going to talk about Noah Baumbach later. Can I give you another example? We talk. We, you've seen uh, uh, the Squid and the Whale. Yep. In the background of a shot in Squid and the Whale, which takes place in 1985, okay, there's a scene with Jesse Eisenberg talking to his dad when they're in, they've moved into the dad's shittier house yep. in the second half of the movie. There is a crumpled, tiny, folded and unfolded uh, John Carpenter's The Thing poster on that kid's wall in in sorry, not sorry in um, the Squid and the Whale. And when I look at that moment, I go, oh well, that. He cut it out of a magazine. It's all folded and refolded, and looks oh. looks crumpled. And that's where he got it. So that's that's like that's good. Yeah, that's good. And that and Stranger <laughs> Things is the bad version of it, where it's like the the set designers are like, oh, whatever. We'll just put up these perfectly framed posters. Where are these? How can these kids afford framed posters? Sure. I can barely afford framed movie posters, and I'm an adult. Anyway, interesting sorry, observation, guys. Tony. I realized that what that a doesn't fucking movie nerd. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Evil Dead wasn't even popular back then. Fuck Stranger Things. <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. It's, um, again, if you enjoy that, you probably had a better childhood than I did. So it's like, you have you win that side. I go, hey, I don't like Stranger Things, but you probably had a better 12th birthday than Tony Heist. <laughs> anyway. Wow, this is getting personal. I don't mean to I don't mean to bring bring the, the mood down by saying I had a... Wow. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, nerds are nerds. Uh, nerds are as nerds do okay whatever that means uh but yeah i, I do want to t briefly touch on uh the the possible I, and again I, I haven't we've had such a busy week in school that i haven't yeah. really had the opportunity to stay completely abreast of every detail of this story but it looks like disney wants to buy uh 20th century fox studios oh yeah uh, the company which already owns lucasfilm uh, which is Star Wars uh, and uh, and Indiana Jones. They own Marvel Studios, which is every friggin' Marvel comic book movie. And they own Pixar, which is, I mean, every movie they make is a billion dollars in that box office. So yeah. um, this, would, this would almost be creating a monopoly where Disney would own... Uh, Every giant franchise, like and the it's crazy. Why I think why this is most noteworthy is because the biggest movie franchise of all time, uh, James Cameron's Avatar, is a, a 20th Century Fox property, and that would make it a Disney property, and then that would mean that Disney owns. Yeah, and that movie isn't over. It's not over. I think that they're they're there's how many? Four more coming. I Four think. more Avatars. And what's taken so long? Well, any of the new James CGI. Cameron. James Cameron, he wants the that every movie to be like a technological yeah. um, high water mark. Yeah, advancing each. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, almost in, like as new as new can be, times newer. Yes, if that makes sense. <laughs> as new as new can be, but it's also that thing of like he wants to. Um, He's because he feels like it's he, he there's no other filmmaker that that's one upping him, so he can only one oh, yeah. up himself. He uses next gen stuff like when Avatar came out, 
that was next gen. And he used 3D in an interesting way, right? It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, I, I actually never saw it in theaters, but if uh, if I do remember, I, I uh, heard that the 3D was almost the other way. It, it all, there was more depth yeah. opposed to it coming out at yeah. you. And that was something, I don't know if that was uh, ever done really before. It's a, I mean. Or if it did, it was, it was rare. And it, it, just trying to, you know, come up with new ideas and. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it's a different way of, of, of treating something that is essentially um, a, a kind of an old movie gimmick. Like 3D movies have been around since the 50s. You can go back and, and the actual, it's, they've always Blue tried to classes. have it. Exactly. So you, you, you always want to have it that be that the monster or whatever it is is coming off the screen into the audience. Yeah. But what, what Cameron actually did was go, no, 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 let's use this to like layer the image so that it actually looks like there's a real world inside yeah. the screen. Let's have them looking out a window instead. Yes. <laughs> um, Basically. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, I don't know. Like, again, this might be, like, very, very deep inside baseball stuff, but, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the sites that I, that I was um, scouring Disney, this week yeah. were basically tre- viewing this story through the lens of, ooh, Disney plus Fox equals X-Men are finally going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I was like, God, who, who fucking cares? <laughs> we'll see a lot more, uh, a lot more. Just straying now. I'm you just don't straying. Know what to. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing else. I've Let's got nothing. Uh, did you see that video? Well, I, did you see that video I sent you about um, John Barenthal talking about Kevin Spacey? Oh yeah. How how uh, much of a dick he is on set. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the actor's name? John Barenthal. John Barenthal. Uh, if you don't know who that is, that was the douchebag from Walking Dead. Uh, I thought this guy was a dick. Obviously, that means he's a good actor. Oh, you mean in, in Walking Dead when he plays? Yeah. What, what is the but this guy seems so sincere. Oh, man. It's the guy, guys, it's the guy who... He was um, Rick's best friend, and he fucked Rick's wife. Yeah, and fucked then, her, and then he died. And then he died. Then he, oh, then he got killed by... Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, well, that's five seasons ago. Carl. Um, did he get killed by Carl? Maybe Carl did kill him. But that was that was before I stopped watching. Yeah, I stopped watching uh, Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it anymore. Not nerd. You're not a big enough nerd. Do you want to play a clip of this of this John Barenthal yeah, thing? Yeah, actually, now? yeah. Because I uh, think it's worth you know we can. It would be good to hear it in his own words because he. I mean, God, this is a guy. Anyway, we'll just let's do it. Here's the clip here. Back to and the, you did Baby Driver with Spacey, and then all this stuff happens. Obviously, there's no signs when that's happening. Mm-hmm. But do you look back and go like, oh yeah, that was a little. I look, man. I remember being on that set, and I remember him really rubbing me the wrong way. You know, and I, and I and and uh, I, it's funny. Anybody who um, you know I, I was working with at the time, and people in my life remember me saying it. And a lot of people reached out to me, you know, when that happened. And I think for me, you got to understand, you know. Uh, I, I started out in this uh, in, in this thing, you know, I was a theater actor, and uh, when I was a young man, I got to go to London, and it was a crazy opportunity for me, and the first thing that I did when I was in London, I went and saw The Iceman Cometh, starring Kevin Spacey, you know, four and a half hour play with him right there, and I was sitting in the front row, I was looking with my neck straight up, and uh, I remember when that play was over, I just jumped up and gave a standing ovation, which is something I guess they don't fucking do in London or something, because he looked right at me, and... Uh, 
he 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 it was an unbelievably sort of like transformative experience in my life watching what he did and um he he was one of my favorite actors um you know going on to that set you know and 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 working with him i wasn't there much and um i i wasn't really in a situation to judge but when i was there he really rubbed me the wrong way i i thought he was a bit of a bully i thought he was uh i i thought that he um i didn't really care for the way he was behaving towards some of the other people on set and um, sexually really, or aggressive, I, I think I think a combination. I think a combination. I think mm. he was he was uh, he, you know, I think he yeah. was, uh, you know, acting towards people in a way that I remember at the time thinking, man, if that was if that was a woman that he was talking to, you know, I, I would I, I would have I would have done something. I would have said something. And I was really happy to sort of get out of there. And, 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 and I remember. It, you know, for it, for that reason. And I just remember losing a ton of respect for him. And nowhere did I see anything like some of the allegations that have come up against sure. him. And I think it's it would be weak and, and, and me and, and of me to sort of like pile on about some shit that I don't know about. Right. Well, anyway, yeah. So he, again, you know, he's not adding anything to, to the, the, the allegations of sexual misconduct or whatever that we spoke about last week. But he definitely is saying that, yeah, didn't rub him the wrong way. Got a bad vibe off him and sort of uh, disappointed him. And, you know, like, this is another example of maybe don't meet your heroes. So Kevin they... Spacey. Okay, what's this other guy's? I keep forgetting. John Barenthal from uh from I'll just call Baby him John. Driver. Kevin Spacey rubbed John the wrong way in an attempt to convert him gay as well, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> I think that's what was happening. I think he was just like, you know, he's the, like, Kevin Spacey's like, you know, a, like a big actor and when, yeah. when you're when you're John Barenthal and you're like shit I mean he's been he's worked with Scorsese and stuff and he's been in you know the, the Walking Dead but you're still the junior actor on the set when you walk in there and Jamie Foxx is there and Kevin Spacey's there and I mean John Hamm I don't know <laughs> I don't know where John Hamm is in that hierarchy yeah. um, from Mad Men but um, yeah yeah dude it's, it's just more and more I'm yeah, screw I, Kevin Spacey. He looks just, like a dick in his movies too. There's not like, is there even a movie that he plays where he's actually like a nice, sincere guy? I, to some extent, I guess American Beauty, uh, but that movie's so overrated. Uh, yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, Kevin Spacey's probably just a huge fucking dick, and I don't like him. I don't. I think by the end of this year, most people won't like him. And uh, what was the thing? I don't know. Did we? Uh, Remember, there was a lot of money in Kevin Spacey with his new film coming out. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. That's we were an interesting talk about. topic. Yeah, yeah. Ridley Scott's new movie. Because you were saying, like, you know, they, 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 uh, this huge, uh, marketing campaign for the Oscars based around his acting in this film. Uh, I don't know what the film's called. Oh, hold on. I just want the video to start playing here. Hold on. This, okay, these stupid news stories with videos. Okay, so yeah, this, the story is called All the Money in the World, uh, the new film uh, with uh, directed by Ridley Scott. It co-stars uh, Kevin Spacey, Mark Wahlberg, and Michelle Williams. Um, apparently it's a very good movie and very worthy of its, uh, 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 of its involvement in AFI Fest, but um, it looks as though Ridley Scott has pulled the film from the festival following the, the allegations of sexual misconduct. It, he doesn't... He, doesn't want to be in this this game anymore. I think he doesn't want to be involved with any, something ke- like related to Kevin Spacey after this. Um, so what are they going to do with this movie? When are they going to release it? It looks like it'll just be postponed. Uh, they can't just cut Kevin Spacey out of it. 
They might well, move yeah. the release. So they're, I know, they're, yeah, they're no, trying obviously. to, you know, um, wait till this whole thing dies down a little bit. Let me go to the is variety. That, is yeah. that their uh, game plan? Sony Pictures is considering moving the release date of all the money in the world and is weighing canceling its uh, AFI premiere next week, according to insiders. The studio is still debating how to best position the Ridley Scott drama in the wake of multiple sexual assault and harassment allegations against its star, Kevin Spacey. The final d- decision is yet to be made. If all of the money in the world's premiere is moved, there is a good chance it will be released in June of 2018 instead of its current December 22nd, 2017 release date. The film, which centers on the, the kidnapping of billionaire J. Paul Getty's grandson in Italy and the efforts to recover him, was originally being positioned as an awards candidate with Kevin Spacey's performance as Getty believed to be its best chance for an Oscar nomination. Fat chance now. In the wake of the allegations, uh, Spacey has become so toxic that the studio has abandoned an awards campaign for the actor. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, th- this is Karma. really, like, I-, I was literally thinking last night, I just have to view this as Kevin Spacey died in 2017. It's so depressing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that, because you know what? Yeah. You just have to view it that after, way. Uh, yeah, after this, like, he's only alive through his films. Mm-hmm. And what comes after this? Does he get any Nothing. more films? Yeah. Oh, God. No, he's, he's done, fucked, dude. dude. He's done. I don't know. Wh- I can't imagine. Isn't that crazy? He's gone. He, yeah, he, Tony, you're absolutely right. Kevin Spacey died. I don't know when the funeral is. I don't know if there'll ever be one. But yeah, he passed away uh, when 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 all this news hit. So sad. <laughs> so sad. Oh, not sad. I mean, it's worse for the victims. And I mean, that was the thing I wanted to concentrate on last week that, that I, I, I felt like maybe I concentrated on too much was saying like, oh, yeah, it sucks as a TV fan and a movie fan when you hear this stuff. It sucks much more. Or, or, or a victim of uh, of this kind of uh, sexual misconduct. It's not like I, I should have been much more <laughs> thinking about the victims than like, oh man, I love Seven and I just want to like Kevin Spacey, but he's you know. Uh, so yeah, we, we maybe I got a little little carried away last week, but um, yeah, no, yeah, that is what I was thinking last night because there's a few other guys. There's another director named James Toback who I loved, uh, and the allegations coming out against James Toback are brutal. Oh, I, I, I can't even say some of this stuff. Well, actually, well, the, even, even the headlines. Actress accuses James Toback of licking her during a private meeting. Like, can you fucking imagine this shit, dude? And who's this, sorry? James Toback. He directed um, a lot of stuff. Oh, my God. Let me go to his IMDb here. He did Black and White. He did. He, he wrote the script for Bugsy back in the day. Um, he directed uh, the, the original film The Gambler in the 70s oh, okay. with, with, with James Caan. Yeah. It was remade with Mark Wahlberg last year. But anyway. Um, James Toback. Who else? Who else has been accused of sexual? Because this, 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 our podcast is becoming the sexual yeah, misconduct podcast. I don't know if podcast. we should really go too because because uh, last week we we uh, we talked about this whole sexual misconduct thing for for quite a long time. We did, and you know, at the moment, like we do this segment on movie news. At the moment, that's kind of what it is. Right, pressing to say that, but it is. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't think we should go too much into it. Uh, no, we should have just talked about the new Steven Spielberg trailer instead. That would have been so much more uplifting. Like, yeah, new Tom. Hanks I know. Movie. Like, I feel like we're actually. You know what we should do? Maybe uh, we should get our listeners to. Uh, I want to. I'm curious to see what people's favorite segment is. Sure. You know, whether it's movie news, whether it's uh, the discussion on the director we talk about every week, mm-hmm. or the review at the uh, at the end of the show, or the fourth segment where we just 
ramble on about not moving, but yeah. <laughs> not even movies. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe sh- how do we do this? Do we, do we make a poll or something? We can make a poll on Twitter. Oh my God, we should probably tell people that we have a Twitter account. Yes, uh, we do. Go to at Real Life Podcast, R-E-E-L Life Podcast uh, on Twitter. And yeah, follow us because we only have two followers and it's us right now. <laughs> We haven't followed. Remember, uh, while I, I forget which episode, but we said this this is about us. Okay, it's not yes. about you, Fox, listening to us. Exactly. Get a and real life. Why are you listening to us talk? <laughs> Jesus, can't you entertain yourselves, oh guys? My God. Can't you pick movies to watch without us telling you which movies to watch? Dan's like crying in the. Why <laughs> <laughs> <I> don't? <laughs> but this is like yeah. But if like it, it's a. <laughs> Exactly. Can't you think of funny things on your own? I, I mean, maybe we should just go on to the, the discussion, the, the the director discussion, eh? Yeah. Um, okay, so this week we are discussing the work of uh, filmmaker uh, David Fincher. Or as Tony says it, DF. <laughs> DF, baby. Oh, yeah, really. he... <laughs> I called him QT last week? QT, PT Anderson. DF. DF. So down to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And he is. David Fincher, man. <laughs> oh, he so is. He's so DF. He's so DF. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so um, let's go to the iron. Because, again, I was going to say, what was your first the taste of, uh, of Fincher's work? I'm trying to think. Because, you know, the first film I probably saw, I'm, I'm going to try to pop up all the, uh, the films he made. He's made, he's made a good chunk. So, oh, did he do no, World War Z two announced? Is this news? Yeah, he announced that. Yeah, he, well, that's World he, Z two. Yeah. Um, the fuck is he getting involved in that movie? I think because they're, I think because they're going to let him do whatever he wants with it. I could be wrong about that. I read some article a few months back where um, there's some reason that he felt like, yeah, I'll do that. And I guess Brad Pitt really wanted him to do it. Man, director of such films as Alien Three. Yeah, Seven, Alien Three. He was game. not very proud of Alien Three. No, but there's a version on. You know, it's funny you say that. This summer, I actually went back and um, uh, watched. Uh, his, I guess the, is it the director's cut or the extended version of Alien Three, where they sort of go in and reassemble the original version of the movie that he wanted to make before the studio took it away from him and chopped it up. And oh, and it's not. A masterpiece, but it's a lot closer to what a, a contemporary David Fincher film looks and feels like than I think the, that original Alien Three. Okay. Um, but yeah, also Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, which is my favorite. Um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I forgot all about that one. Yeah, yeah. what's uh? Tell me, like, what was the first uh, DF film <laughs> that you? That I you think watched? it was Alien Three. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, did you like that? You or know, did, did I actually haven't seen Alien Three? So well, I mean, when I saw it as a kid, I, I I was in that age range ballpark of like you're gonna love no matter what yeah. Alien movie. I I remember enjoying Alien Resurrection when I saw it as a kid okay. because I was just like a alien sci fi loving uh, little movie nerd. And of course, as you grow older, as aliens you grow are old, great. Yeah, yeah. At, but, at, a, at, at that age, <laughs> at yeah. that age, exactly. Like as you grow older, you get a bit more of a refined palate. And when I look back on the Alien movies now, really the only the only one that I I, I have a lot of love for is the first one, uh, you know, the nineteen seventy nine Ridley Scott movie. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the first one I saw. I remember seeing Seven at a very young age. And uh, Oh, really? Oh, very young, very young. Being very messed up by that ending. Mm-hmm. Having to go to bed, like, like, we watched it right before right, right before bedtime. So I was, like, put to bed, going, like, oh, her head was in a box. You know, that was my last thought before going Man. to sleep. And that's kind of David Fincher's style, hey? It's kind of just like a... Every ending kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth in a way. <laughs> in a good way, though, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. uh, you know, he kind of goes against the grain on how uh, storytelling uh, should be structured uh, in some cases. Because a lot of the times, you know, you get stories with a happy ending. But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of David Fincher movies don't have that. There's a lot of sad endings. Um, almost, actually, I could, I'd say a good chunk of his films are, are a sad ending. I'm trying to think. Uh, I would say Alien 3 is. I would say... Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Sure. He dies. Uh, Ooh, seven, seven could be argued that. Fight Club, you could argue it's a sad ending. Panic Room. I think Panic Room is a bit more of a traditional... It's more of a traditional B-movie, so I think it actually has that, like, oh, 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 is, is the bad guy going to win? Oh, no, he doesn't. The good guy's won. Don't <laughs> worry. Have a happy ending. Uh, Zodiac, there's definitely that ambiguity because of the... I mean, not to spoil it for anyone, but, like, we all know the Zodiac Killer was never caught, so yes. they can't change that ending. Uh, Social Network, poor Mark, Marky Zuckerberg sitting alone in his room there. Uh, yeah. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. That one, uh, that one was, in a sense, it wasn't that sad because it's not even over yet. Um, but I mean, like, you know, the girl... Where did they? Where did she leave he off? He found there? it. To, he, he found a way to make it sad. I guess you could say because uh, she, oh, she 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 goes to see him, him right, and then and then, and then, the then he's yeah. with this other yeah. So like it's yeah. uh, a little lighter, but uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of drains you down either way, right? He just wants to fuck you up, it, and it's definitely um, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's sort of that emotional deflation of like oh, oh that's where you end and that's where you're leaving us yeah, and then fuck you. I'm shocked to see, dude. And his, Gone Girl. His was, last movie was Gone Girl. But he did nothing since then. I'm cr- I'm blown away. I thought. Well, I mean, Mindhunter, other than Mindhunter, which is a big project for him. Since I know. He's I still still fucking doing all these episodes. I still haven't watched. Uh, yeah, good show. But yeah, Gone Girl, really sad ending. Well, not sad, but just like you feel bad for the guy kind of ending. <laughs> <laughs> Even it's, though they're they're both awful people. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how he picks and chooses his stories. Um, yeah. Good selection, though. I love, um, if I have to go into my favorite uh, David Fincher film, I'd have to say it's either Gone Girl or The Social Network. Very good ones. Because there's just this, the, uh, I get ch- I get chills from the soundtrack for one in Gone Girl and, and, this, and the way he laid out the, uh, the scenes and, and uh, I don't, Honestly, I don't know if I have much to say about the way David Fincher films things. I know he's known for it big time, but it just like it just feels you don't you don't recognize it really, and that's his thing, right? You it's don't invisible. Yeah, it, it's the invisible camera. He doesn't do a lot of the uh, the uh, shaky cam kind of you know freehand work. Yeah, his camera work doesn't call attention to itself the way that a young PT Anderson yes. maybe does, and he does. Like a social network, David Fincher does this interesting thing with his work where he likes to almost animate things to kind of create a world of its own. And uh, he's a very picky uh, filmmaker as well, which is why he uses CGI to make it the exact 
way that he wants it. In Social Network, uh, I heard I heard a thing where there was more CGI in that film than there was in uh, Godzilla. Sure, isn't that fucking crazy? Well, it's you. He's. It, I mean, CGI can be used for a million different ways, and I think a lot of people just think CGI equals a dinosaur attacking someone or like yeah. an alien ship. Yeah, no, no, sure. CGI can just be blending yeah. the set that you've built into. Uh, the into the rest of this sort of fictional world that you've created here. Like, you, you look at a movie like Zodiac, and there's a lot of CGI in there, yeah. but it's just period details of making San Francisco look like it does in the 70s and not No, exactly, yeah. Just, yeah, because uh, I've, I've seen a video on it, and, you know, they have the scene where they're on the street corner. All of that is in a, in a studio. Yeah. They're not on a street. Right. Fuck, they're in a studio. It's yeah. surreal, almost. And he, he, uh, he likes to, you know, use fancy equipment and technology that's like still not known to most filmmakers and one of the cool things that i've uh found that he's kind of using uh for some of his films is integrating this uh weird mix of like because he does lots of takes right he does he does a shit ton of takes but sometimes that's still not even perfect for him i don't know if you know about this but i i read a thing about him using uh, the software that almost blends different takes into one take to get the exact emotion. Huh. So say, uh, you know, it's it's a long dialogue scene of someone talking. He'll actually blend facial expressions from multiple takes to blend it in to this one take to get a specific look. The actor's got to be so pissed. It's just like, you You can't just ask me for another take, David. I mean, he's already, I guess he asked him for 95 oh my God. takes. He's, so he must have. Yeah, yeah, he's, it's just so interesting how meticulous this guy is. It's surreal, actually, that someone would even consider going that, like, sure. far in depth with trying to create the exact look that he sees in his vision. And I respect that. The fact that you he sees something in his head and he's going to fight for it no matter how strenuous it may be on the the rest of the cast and crew he he wants to get he wants to nail down what he sees in his eyes and that is a that is a cool thing about uh david fincher is that he he sees something in his head damn right it's going to look the exact same way he sees it in his head (laughs) so that millions of other people can see his vision not anyone else's it's not going to be distorted by money or or uh producers it is it is going to be his vision and you know the more movies he comes out with the more he can actually do that the more money he gets the more you know the more he becomes prominent and people look up to him as this huge authority figure and he just has this power where he can do whatever he wants now and a growing filmmaker like that makes me really excited for future projects of his oh totally totally and what's really interesting about his um, his development is actually that he's finding a way. And like you know, you, you mentioned before that you were surprised to see World War Z two on his uh, yeah. upcoming thing. But like he's a guy who, if you look at his choices over the like since let's say two thousand five, he's gradually moving in a almost more of an like almost like more of a crowd pleasing direction. Whereas he's going like. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was based on a very popular book. Same with Gone Girl. Um, Excuse me. Same with uh, World War Z. And he really does. He want he wants 
he's not some art art house director who's like, I, I just want to make my own little stories in my own little tiny sandbox yes. for the seventeen people who are gonna go. He wants everyone to go see these movies. Yep. He wants to have a giant audience. Yeah, and you can, like you said, the development of that change. You know, Fight Club, uh, Seven, all those kind of have more of an art house feel to them. Sure. Opposed to his latest work, right? Mine, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Although Gone Girl and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like as far as like mainstream properties, they couldn't be any darker or bleaker. You know, like if you're going to pick like popular books to turn into popular movies, he picked two really dark ones. And that is one of the reasons why I love him. I I have a dark taste. Yeah. You know, and I just Gone uh, Gone Girl that there's there's some really gruesome scenes like the the murder in the bed. And, yes. Oh, I love and that. And as sadistic as it sounds like that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Mm. And this like pulsating soundtrack of a Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh, it it truly sent shivers down my spine because of the beauty of that scene. As crazy as that may sound as like, mm-hmm. you know, psychopathic as no. I I truly had pleasure watching that scene <laughs> that was when she was that was when plus doogie i didn't really snap. like that character a whole lot doogie, doogie hauser in that one the, um, what's that <laughs> yeah. character's name uh what's that dude from doogie hauser barney stinson fuck i don't know his name in the movie what's his name in um what's the other show he's in how i married your teenage mother or whatever is that what it's called <laughs> Te- what how i married your teenage mother 10 simple rules on how to marry your teenage mother about- isn't that what the show they're on <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. I'm combining two shows, you guys. The Time at Your Mother and Ten Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, which is another show. Okay, well, that's just... This is a joke I was doing, guys. That man, the, the, only Dan didn't will say that. Uh, Dan, our teacher, will love that joke. And everyone okay. else, all the other Kiss millennials ass. will be like, what is he talking about? But Dan, that one was for you, buddy. This Sorry. Is, uh, <laughs> Sorry real life with Tony... And Luke and... And Dan. Impressing Dan. Impressing. Yeah. Listen, that was one joke. That was one joke. One joke. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Sounds good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's get back on track after. Uh, what's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite? I'm curious. What's your favorite? Um, David Fisher I, I have film? a lot of um, lot of regard for The Social Network. Uh, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite is probably Zodiac. But I remember a few years back rewatching Seven. Uh, for the first time in, in many years, I, like I, I like I, I, saw, I saw it probably 1995 when I was, you know, 11 years old. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and was a, was just as messed up and scarred by it as you as you can imagine. <laughs> um, even though, but I'll say this: so when I saw it as a kid, that was that ending with, uh, spoiler alert, Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. That wasn't the thing that disturbed me. The thing that really disturbed me was the moment in the. Halfway through the movie, where they break into the um, the guy who's tied to the bed, and the cop sort of leans over, and you just see his grotesque like the the guy who's tied to a bed and hasn't eaten in like a year, his sort of distended, wrinkled, destroyed, messed up face is just sort of sitting there with his mouth hanging open on the bed, and a cop leans in real close and sort of whispers to him, "You got what you deserve," or whatever, and then the guy just starts coughing and like like spazzing yeah. and the cop just jumps back like it's the one jump scare in a movie and I'm like that's brilliant that that works so well it disturbed the hell out of me as a kid the only part I wish about seven they showed the uh, aftermath of all these I want to see it happening I want there to and it's funny because he's known oh my David God. Fincher's known for using like flashbacks everywhere why don't you show flashbacks to fucking Kevin Spacey 
So you want to see a flashback to Kevin Spacey making the guy wear a, a, a Why a does this surprise you? Dildo? I was just mentioning how I had like a orgasm watching Gone Girl scene. That's true. You did. Yeah. I'm fucked, dude. But seriously, though, like there is the the serrated dildo that Kevin Spacey makes the one guy wear in that scene. That, that was that. Oh, that, man, that was sad. Screwed me up as a kid. Going, oh, my thinking. God. He did what? And he did what? Oh. He did what? Yeah, that is. Yeah, I had a hard time actually. Like that, w- just thinking about that was like, oh my god, that is that is horrible. I can't even imagine. Then you see the photo of like a, a mannequin or something wearing the blade dildo, and it's how long the blade is. I was yeah, just like, that dude. is the, that is awful. What what yeah. sick person came up with that idea? And it was Andrew Kevin Walker. It was Kevin screen- Spacey. What was, was it? You, the screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, another Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. All Kevins are crazy. My home alone. Kevin. Kevin. A lovely cheese pizza, please. <laughs> Remember Home Alone where he eats cheese pizza? We'll talk about that at Christmas. It's too early for yeah, Home Christmas Alone talk. Okay. But um, but yeah, no, I like I love uh, Seven. We're on talking about Seven. But again. Um, you just saw Seven for the first time this week. I know. Well, it wasn't this week. It was oh, like, last week. I think it was like, yeah, last weekend. Um, Not this last weekend, previous last weekend. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that ending, that that ending, so bleak, so like nihilistic and there is no hope. It, like it, it, It's a hopeless ending. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I kind of loved about it as a kid. It was just like, wow, I've never, I've never seen a movie that ended so what a ballsy fucking ending. Yeah. And it it's a m- remarkable how that the film hold, stands up to, te- to the test of time that it's 22 years old that movie. Mm-hmm. The movie's fucking 22 years old. Well, there's a quote um that uh from David Fincher and he says, "I don't know how much movies should entertain. To me, I'm always interested in movies that scar." Yeah. And uh no, good point. I mean, would we really be talking about Seven right now if it didn't fucking scar us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what movies aren't we talking about that didn't scar us, right? Yeah. It's nice to leave a bruise sometimes, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that reminds me of a, a very famous quote from Stanley Kubrick when he was talking about making The Shining with Jack Nicholson. He said he, said he wanted to make a movie that would hurt people. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I totally agree. Um, I... Personally, I love, I love and hate them. Right at the time, I'm watching them and I want to look away and I cringe and I just feel bad and sad. <laughs> and, and then afterwards, I realize, man, that film made me have these emotions that uh, that I didn't like that I probably wouldn't have had if it, if it were if they tried to condense it into something like a little more chill. Yeah. Right. And it's it's, it's good to stay raw. And uncut. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to our the editing of last week's podcast, the raw and uncut episode two. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, no, and yeah, and Fincher has definitely stayed. He, like, he's a consistent artist. He's an artist with a vision. Yeah, and very even, smart too. Oh, uh, yeah, incredibly smart. Very smart. Um, to a point where you get the you, you hear people say that like, oh, it's not fun working with David Fincher because he's, he can be kind of dickish Well, sometimes. he makes it almost a pain for everyone on set. <laughs> really, like, you know, you think it's cool to be a cameraman on a David Fincher film? No, it's, it's, it's fucking hard. Because one of the things that uh, David Fincher does is 
he 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 uh, tracks the subjects as they move. But the second that subject stops, so is the camera. The camera is the subject in a way, right? Mm-hmm. If you watch any David Fincher film, you will notice that every single movement that the actor does, say say the actor's walking down the stairs, the uh, the camera in one way or another it's moving somewhere. And then say the actor goes downstairs and picks up a phone, then that camera's that camera stops. Yeah, and it's a it's an interesting. He does that for psychological reasons. He does it to almost uh, take away from the camera in itself, and your and your eyes are continually following the subject. Just with this the the this comparison of the f- the frame uh, of the picture. Um, I'm exp- I'm explaining it uh, <laughs> badly, but no, just remember no, no, that no. everything that he does is is to mess with your subconscious in a good way. A mess is kind of like a bad word for it, but he messes with your subconscious. Plays. He plays with it for sure. Like, it, there, there's a playfulness to it. Absolutely. Plays, yeah. Plays sounds more fun than mess. <laughs> But yeah, I'm just looking. I'm looking down here. Like, there's a great clip. Um, and oh, sorry, he's six feet tall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, is he, is he six just foot tall? Just trying to like spit. A f- yeah, no, he's uh, six feet tall. I didn't know that. But he's I, he's taller than I thought. I, for some reason, I, I know his face. Look, he he has a small, like his face makes me think of a small person. Is that weird? No, I know. I, I I thought that he would be like a five foot nine guy. Like he looks like to me like a um, like the same height as Richard Dreyfus or something. But like the fact that he's a, like six feet tall, he's like he's like you know. But anyway, yeah, David Fincher, uh, we love him. We love him, and we we, we were very ready for whatever he comes out with next. Um, so let's just move on to our uh, our review. Oh yes, the last segment. Yes, the final segment of of, of the of the uh, podcast. I call it a podcast with an extra A. The pod. Uh, but yeah, and we're, this week we are reviewing um, the Meyerowitz stories, new and selected. Um, directed by Noah Baumbach, uh, starring Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Basically tells the story good of- Good cast. Oh, very good cast, yeah. Of a, sort of a family, uh, sort of a, 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 what do you call it? A, a dysfunctional family uh, relationship where uh, the, uh, the father, played by Dustin Hoffman, is sort of a, an artist, he's a sculptor, and uh, he hasn't had the mainstream success that some of his other artist friends have had. And his family is sort of sort of living in the wake of his meager, meager, meager amount of success. And the fact that he probably thinks that he should have had he – sh- he thinks of himself as a genius. And his sons uh, grew up, thought of, thought, thought of him as a genius. And there's that moment later on in the movie where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to like – adjust our way of looking at dad to like if he's not a genius then he's just an asshole you know and that is i think the 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 the, the real the core of the, of the of the movie is uh in that relationship between his his children and him yeah yeah i mean uh the uh family dynamic was really interesting uh and i like how um i like how they structured it i like the uh the chapters, yeah. How they how they added the chapters. The 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 opening scene. I just I love so much when when uh, Adam Sandler. What's his character's name? Oh, Danny. Danny. I just love how. What, what was the chapter called? Danny. 
tries to park. Danny Merowitz was trying to park. <laughs> yes. And that whole scene was like, you get to know kind of who he is yeah. in this really almost pointless scene, but it's very interesting to watch. Well, point, I mean, like, it, it's, it's, mun- there's a mundaneness to where he is. Like, that ex- we're, yeah. We're finding him mid parallel park. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved that scene. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That was, that was, that opening scene, like, was probably one of my favorites. Sure. In and, a weird way. I don't know why. And he's got his daughter there um, who is sort of, you know, being very flippant and going like, Dad, what are you doing? Oh, and, my God. I'm sorry. Let's just – that one, that chapter's over. How about this daddy's daughter's <laughs> films that she makes? Oh, right. Like, what the that. fuck, dude? Yeah, yeah. That he, is so weird. Adam like, Sandler is very, very laid back about the amount of times oh he sees his own daughter naked. Uh, yeah. In this movie, I mean, we make it sound weird saying that his daughter is a filmmaker. She's like a like an art housey filmmaker going to NYU or something, and she keeps making these short films throughout the movie, and they're hypersexual and very. They make the family uncomfortable. Yeah. It's and sort of, and uh, Danny's just like, oh yeah, good job. Yeah, I gotta How be did, supportive. But. Do you like? Is he doing that to be supportive, or does I think he? So. He loves his daughter, and he like, wants to support he her. Does he think? No, I'm saying, does he genuinely think that that was a they're, good? They're good. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't tell by the his. first time he sees him, he's like, "Okay, let's turn this off, and I'm gonna watch this when no one else is around." Like he actually says that he's gonna watch it alone because he's like, "Yeah, I don't want, I don't want uh, my friends seeing my daughter uh, naked." <laughs> That's <laughs> and, fucked. And I, and I and I can understand that, but it's um, hilarious though. It, it is super funny. It's so funny. And uh, but yeah, no, it, it's yeah. It, what, what's great about it is that it's directed by Noah Baumbach, who made we talked about Squid and the Whale earlier. And I really feel like this movie is almost a spiritual sequel to the Squid and the Whale in the sense that it we follow like a Squid and the Whale is essentially about two brothers who have a terrible dad and they're way too hard on their mom. And in the end of the movie, the older brother basically realizes that he needs to sort of turn his back on his his horrible dad because he's kind of. Not not abusive in in the traditional sense of like smacking him around, but he's just abusive in the sense that he's raising him deplorably and it turning was him un- in, yeah. turning it, him into his like he's he was turning his son into another version of him. Well, like which he was awful. hooking up with like that that, oh, that that his student played by Anna Paquin. Yeah. That made me like uncomfortable to be honest. I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a um, I did not like it. That teacher student a sexual relationship when there's like a giant age gap is so uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, um, and he made uh, he made it feel real. That movie felt real as fuck. Oh yeah, and this movie was this in, in a way it was the same thing. You know, yeah. There's a lot of like I think that's just the way he makes films. That's his directing. He wants to try to make something that feels real. Yeah, and it's shot in real, it, it, like the real time kind of uh, situation. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a. I mean, like you know, what I loved about I think that some of the stuff aesthetically that I loved about. Squid and the Whale that I don't necessarily love about um, Merwood stories is just the the fact that I think he he, he shot it on more, more of a limited budget, the original, uh, the Squid and the Whale. It was shot in 16 millimeter, kind of looks a little grainy and it grungy. Does, yes. Whereas this one, it's a Netflix movie, so he had all the money he wanted and it looks sort of like, you know, whatever. It just the looks Squid like and the Whale movie. felt more real than this one because of the low budget. It felt it had yeah. that amateur type dog me type uh, yeah, feel yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The um, yeah, and that beautiful handheld sense, and, and, and the pacing of it. Actually, it's paced almost beyond an inch of its life. How quickly um, the squid and the whale moves. Whereas this one, I think it, it, it clocks in at about it's about forty minutes longer than the squid and the whale. 
which I think there there is something to be said for uh, for a short running time. And I, I I know that we were talking about this earlier. Um, and this might be the first movie that we disagree on yeah. as far as giving it a review. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as Squid and the Whale, obviously. But um, I got to say, I know we, we talked about Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love and how that's his best performance. I think this is up. I think this is right up there. That This no. could be his his second best second performance. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's his best. I'm not saying it's better than Punch Drunk Love. Oh, yeah. I love, how great yeah. is he in this movie? No, he's so good. Yeah. Dude, like I, I love Adam Sandler. Like he plays some silly shit, but like mm-hmm. when he when he takes on dramedies, like he yeah. kills it big time. When he's not the writer or the producer <laughs> of the project, when he just lets himself. Adam be Sandler's an a hard worker, dude. He sure. he doesn't stop. If you've seen like uh, him talking about, you know, uh, his films and everything, like he says. He feels bad that he can't spend more time with his family, but when he gets an idea, he could be sitting at a dinner table and then he has to run to his computer and start writing some stuff. Like he 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 grinds, dude. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's because um, yeah, when you look at some of his his solo work, um, like stuff like Jack and Jill and like uh, um, what was that one? Pixels. I actually Jack and saw... Jill, incredible story. It's about uh, no just Jack and Jill. Well, that's one of those ones that you Powerful look back and you're just like impact. You had to run. From your thing to write down the idea for Jack and Jill? Well, you know what? Yeah, that's... uh, (laughs) But, you know, he just... It's not about that. It's just about the passion he has for the art. Oh, no, and I'll say this. um, I hated The Ridiculous Six, except for one scene in the movie where I was like, oh, this is actually really funny. So he's not like there, like even in bad movies, there's one moment or two moments where you're like, oh, I can see why. Yeah. He made a name for himself more than most people can say, right? I know, and everyone, and and everyone, I hate to fall back to the the old trope that like, yeah, 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 I loved Billy Madison and I loved Happy Gilmore, but it's a slow, slow drop off after that. Um, I, I I liked Mr. Deeds. I liked yeah, um, I totally Big Daddy. Agree, yeah, but they're not all they're not all consistent in that way. But maybe in a way, they're all the same. Except are we as humans are growing. Yeah, we're at different places in our lives. <laughs> yes. Whereas, you know, back then in the early 2000s and the 90s, you know, yeah. comedy, you know, the, there was a different taste back then. That's true. That's true. It's Because um, it really, it, in a way, it, I feel like it, it's the same It's the same vibe. It's the, it's the same jokes kind of. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, it's a different period of time. He has to grow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it gets, the, I mean, hopefully Adam Sandler has you know, um, a few more good good ones in him that aren't you know what was good? directed by other people. Uh, f- what was that, Funny People? Funny People, yeah. That was a good one. Very good. I thought that was great. Yep. Um, he did good in that. Oh, yeah, I was so I moved liked, by that he, movie. He had good emotion in that one. Totally, totally. Yep. Um, and that was, again, and that's another example of uh, that I would put more into the Punch Drunk Love uh, category. Yeah. Um, even though he is, and that's one, like, he, he, he sort of... Uh, making fun of himself in that a little bit yeah no yeah that's uh, in a way that that's totally what it is it's funny because uh i i watched this interview uh someone interviewing adam sandler and they're saying like is it weird or is it is it difficult kind of like trans going from like these these uh silly type comedies to uh playing this role like acting wise and he's like well, I mean, I went to acting school, so it's like, like I know how to act. I know they just think <laughs> of him as like, yeah, you, you get this idea of this just silly dude doing these silly movies, but no, he's 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 an artist, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it just you know it it shines differently on his uh, on the work that he does. So yeah, I guess if you start out like on MTV doing like comedy sketches or something, people yeah. 
could only see you a certain or on SNL. SNL, I guess, would probably be a better comparison than MTV. But because um, yeah, he began his career, you know, doing sketches on there. But um, no, it's fine. And you know, and that's not the Adam Sandler that I think he's going to want to have on his on his gravestone. <laughs> but I think it will be um, as he ages, <clears throat> his taste changes. Yeah, yeah. But I'll just say, like, to get back, the, the, uh, Pixels and uh, and Jack and Jill, like, that is the kind of stuff that I don't want to see anymore from him um, because yeah, it, it's like total pandering. It's total. Um, bottom of the barrel nonsense, and you you can actually like there's um, there's a great um, a clip online of uh, you, I'm trying to remember the scene, the first time the aliens invade and he gets the gun and he's like shooting a laser at the aliens in yeah. pixel uh, whatever pixels whatever, but if you look at his face in that shot, he's just like yep. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. He doesn't even know he's in a scene. Is that the one with, like, the uh, caterpillar type thing? Yeah. 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 Like, it just like, – you look at Adam Sandler's eyes, and he's just, like, thinking, I'm going to get a donut when I'm when this take is over. Like, it's just – there's n- and there's none of that. And then you look at him in the Merowitz stories, and you're like, oh, my God, here, he, this is a brilliant actor. And it's yeah. just – I think that when he's the producer – He's not as uh, not as engaged in the performance because he's also producing, he's writing, he's 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 doing it all. Yeah, and you know what? He's he's a really nice guy, and I know when he works with others, he he wants to do best for them, right? Yeah, he does it's keep di- his friends it's, around. It's yeah. different when he's doing it for himself. I he I think I think it's a it's a bigger impact when he's doing it for other people because he wants he wants to make sure that you know these guys hired me. Like I I got to make sure that they sure yeah yeah yeah. But it's a, uh, but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> we're reviewing uh, Adam Sandler. Yes, uh, not, not, instead of the Meyerowitz stories. Yeah, we we have we have yet to do this, but I'm just interesting. If you were to rate uh, this film out of ten, what you would give it? I probably give it an eight. Um, I was very moved by it, and um, an eight, an eight out of ten. Would you ever give a film ten out of ten? Um, it's fine. Well, yeah, of course, of course. I what? Could, yeah, so definitely. you're saying. That Let me go to my letterbox account. <laughs> I've given many mm, films 10 out of 10. I don't agree with that, actually. Really? You think there's no perfect movies? Are you kidding me? There's no perfect There's movies. no such thing as a perfect film. There's always a flaw. If you were to say 10 you're out of drunk. 10, that means there's zero flaws. <laughs> you're you're drunk. drunk. You cannot. <laughs> I will get you a list of perfect movies in three seconds, dude. Give me three seconds, and I'll, I'll be listing perfect movies to you right now. The Godfather 1, The Godfather 2, Seven Samurai, 12 Angry Men, um, to some extent, uh, <laughs> the good and the bad and the ugly, high and low, Pulp Fiction, um, Goodfellas, Apocalypse Now, Sunset Boulevard. All of those have <laughs> Psycho, all of those have potential issues. Rear Window, Persona, you 2001: know A Space you know Odyssey, There Will Be Blood, Alien, oh, uh, Paths of Glory, uh, In the Mood for Love, uh, Lawrence of like Arabia, Silence of the Lambs, The Apartment, Paris, Texas. Now you're the rambling. The, the Shining, M, Taxi Driver, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> I don't want to hear your mouth. I'm sorry. Doctor Strangelove, eight and a half. Vertigo, Indiana uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I wish I could st- skip I'm to the sorry. future, so I don't have I'm to sorry. fucking hear you. When rambling. this is a podcast, you're gonna skip through the Listen, list. Listen, man, there's no such thing as a perfect film. You can't give a film ten out of ten. As a, trust me, as a person who who works as a film critic, it's it's doable. You can you're allowed no. to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have, there's no movie that you would say is, is five nope. out of five, ten out of ten. Nope. What's no favorite, such thing. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, that's tough. Favorite film out of... Probably uh, Bad Moms 
or Bad Mom's Christmas, the new one. <laughs> I'm the joking. new one was better. Yeah, the new one is no, great. I'm kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen either. Uh, yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had one in my head. I don't know. I don't know, man. I have to think about this. I know what you mean. Like, I, the, I understand the intent of what you're saying and how, like, yeah, we can discuss this more. So eight out of ten for you. I give it eight out of ten. What about you? Six point five. Six point five. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. It's uh, yeah, no, it's a um. You know, there's a lot of good in there, but it's the kind of movie that uh, I think maybe could have could have uh, could have used a slight bit of editing. But then it's a Netflix movie, so what's the point of editing it? Like you, you can do like it's going to be on Netflix forever. You might as well just like yeah, put it all up there, uh, let it all hang out. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're not worried about like packing more people into screens and like oh can we get like if I cut 20 minutes out of it we'll be able to show it five times a day at the movie theater as opposed to four times a day that's how people think in this that's how Harvey Weinstein's of the world think if you cut 20 minutes out of your big movie you can show it five times a day as opposed to four times a day <laughs> but anyway guys um, yeah so I, I, I'm I think that if you uh, oh yeah this is on Netflix right now The Marywood Story so go check it out if, if you uh, are, are, are a fan of Adam Sandler yeah. Ben a, Stiller's in it too actually yeah, we didn't even a lot that. of good uh Cast members and the director, I I appreciate. Like I mm-hmm. appreciate. What I respect him as a film filmmaker. Definitely. If you're definitely. an art host kind of guy, you'll like this movie. I yeah, think. Noah Baumbach. He, he's he's a, he's a good one. And uh, yeah, so I think that might be it for yeah. this week's. Uh, Is there any suggestions we could give them for a film or things that I haven't even seen? Is there something that I should watch this week? Yeah, I don't Gosh. know. Like oh, 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 thank you for reminding me. Okay, so now uh, uh, my favorite movie of the year so far is just this week available to stream on demand. Oh. It's called Good Time. Oh, yeah, the, I want to see that so bad. Yeah, it stars Robert Pattinson um, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, such a great movie. It's sort of a New York bank robbery movie that after the first half an hour becomes one of the most suspenseful like gripping, uh, like do you feel like you're having a panic attack the whole time you watch it? If you don't know the filmmakers, uh, if you've seen Requiem for a Dream, or wait, fuck, what am I Safety talking about? Brothers. What? Oh no, that, that's the director of Mother. You're thinking of. Oh, dude, what am I thinking? The director of Good Time. Uh, it's actually two guys. They're the Safety Brothers. They directed um, Heaven Knows What. They came out last year, but the couple of heroin addicts in New York City, amazing movie. And they also directed another movie called Daddy Long Legs, which uh, isn't amazing, but is very good and very fun and a cool independent movie about some... Yeah, uh, I got my directors mixed up here. Yeah, you're thinking of Darren Aronofsky. I am. For some reason, I thought he originally uh, made it. It kind of... Does it have the same feel as that? Is there... What's a film that could compare to this one? I'm just interested in, like, the vibe. Visually, you know, yes, yeah, yeah. I think the reason why you said that, because maybe I was comparing the... There are a lot of, like, really, really jarring close-ups in mm. Good Time, and it kind of reminds me, uh, on some some levels, of of um, uh, Black Swan, uh, the, the previous. Uh, oh yes. Aronofsky well, movie. The, the way you explain the film really makes me think of Requiem for a Dream. There is a lot in there, except more of an acid movie than a heroin movie. In yeah, this but case, it's yeah. the same like, you know, you're just talking about a, like this huge, crazy like mm-hmm. events taking place, and it's just all fast and it's very jarring, kind of like how near the end of a uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, yeah. Although I would say the the the, the uh, aesthetic style of Good Time is, I think, an age better. Over the next twenty-five years, than than Requiem for a Dream. I'll actually so go for, go so far as to say, Good Time 
is way better than Requiem for a Dream. Ooh, I'm excited to see this. Big words, big, big. Cool. I'm not such a huge Requiem for a Dream fan as everyone else is. It's a good movie, but it's I don't love it. But yeah, check out Good Time. Um, I'm going to be pimping that movie every podcast until Christmas. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is there anything, uh, is that it for, for, for the kiosk? I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think that that just about does it for us um and like we say every week this is a this is a weekly podcast so we'll see you again on friday mm-hmm. uh with a with a new director i don't know if we have one in mind but yeah we will we'll, maybe if, if we can p- toss it out early next week on the um on the on the twitter yes so follow us on twitter yeah follow us on twitter for guys. god's sakes at real life podcast r-e-e-l obviously yeah, if you want to stay up to date, if you want to chip in on some polls that we'll probably make, probably yeah. even, like, yeah. Good call. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Yeah. Because uh, we're interested to hear on how, like, which, which segments yeah. thrive and which ones don't. But anyways, yeah, uh, that about that just about does it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next Friday, and thanks, everyone, for chilling in the real life.